Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Just uh, high-five somebody, a handshake somebody, or elbow, whatever's working for you, and grab a seat today. Can't wait for one heart uh, on Tuesday night, everybody. So I want to encourage you, that's not just for some people, that's for every believer. Every believer is called to play their part in the body of Christ. If uh, You've heard me before, I travel around the world, been to too many churches and meet too many Christians who have no clue what they're doing, why they're here, why they're on the planet or what God has for them. That is wrong. And all the pastors who get up and preach and tell people, yes, just come to church, pay your tithe. Wrong. We are called in Ephesians 4 to equip you Verse 11 to 13, for your calling in the house and your calling out of the house. And so we will be doing that Tuesday night, equipping you for your calling in the house and out of the house because you have a dual kingdom purpose, which we need to, from Global Heart Church, get uh, sparked up around the world because there's a lot of lost Christians. And what does that mean? That means that you're, you're vulnerable to the enemy. And it also means your children and grandchildren are vulnerable to the enemy. And it means that you will be unfulfilled. And uh, I've discovered when you're in God's kingdom purpose, you will be fulfilled, uh, though maybe tired and not able to sleep due to jet lag like myself. But there we go. But God is good. Also, Benjamin Lim coming, everybody. Just make a big note of uh, that weekend coming up. Benjamin Lim is one of the great leaders in Asia. He's an outstanding leader in Asia. And for those, uh, I think a lot of you heard before, but he oversaw uh, the raising of the finances for um, New Creation Church. They built a building in Singapore that's a shopping centre and it's got all uh, residences. The whole project was $500 million. And uh, Benjamin Lim oversaw it. He's a great pastor, but he's a great businessman and a great leader. And uh, we've, made, we've just made a, a really great friendship with him. And I love his serving heart. And he's coming here to serve us, but he is full of insight and wisdom. And uh, I want to encourage you to be there. Business people, humble yourself and position yourself because you may just miss a moment that weekend that he's here because Influential will be very powerful when he tells you from his 25 years of business and ministry how God's, you know, how, how God works. Uh, and so I'd encourage everybody, be, get talking now to friends, get talking to unsafe friends particularly, especially uh, people, you know, who are lost right now because he's going to come full of vision. And I just love everything that he brings. It's great insight. But I love him behind the scenes. Benjamin behind the scenes, he's a very humble man and uh, I'm very blessed by our uh, fellowship with him. So that would be really, really powerful. Anyway, did I say I'm just back from Melbourne and from Zambia. So I got to two of our churches after two and a half years not being anywhere. And uh, so Melbourne, everybody just there with uh, Naveen. We were in Melbourne for two Sundays and uh, with Pastor Eli and Fatima, who I'm very proud of uh, in a right word, right way when you say proud. They're doing this, doing a great job. Fatima has grown so much and uh, the two of them just doing fantastic there. You know, these guys have taken on great difficulty. The, life is challenging. And, uh, and the gospel's costly. So everybody who thinks that Christianity is costless, uh, wrong. 
because there's miracles to be had, but they always come firstly through sowing and cost. And, uh, and so they went left here with the team and the team went straight into, into lockdown. And so they, were, they moved into new apartments and whatever, but they were all locked down in Melbourne. And uh, they had, I think, one launch meeting, which I was at. And then the next minute, everybody was locked down. So difficult. So challenging, but they stayed very faithful, very persistent, and uh, they're just kicking off church again. And a guy I met at the launch meeting, I think you got the next photo there. Uh, keep going, guys. Next photo. Yes. So I went to the launch meeting, and one of the guys uh, at the launch meeting I'm chatting with was Eli's barber, who was a Muslim guy, and he was saying how much he was being blessed. But he wasn't a Christian. Eli was chatting with him, and uh, he was really touched by the conversations, and Eli feeling teaching him some spiritual things. And anyway, so he uh, actually um, started coming to church as we started church, which is only just recently. And he's on the end there on the right. And he gave his life to the Lord, got baptised. And when I arrived at church, he was serving in the car park, welcoming people to church. And uh, the change in him was so huge that I'd met him at the launch party. He comes up and starts talking to me. I didn't know who he was. I'm like, have I met you before? And he's like, yeah, you met me at the launch party. And I went... Uh, what's your name and what do you do? And, and literally the change in him from giving his life to the Lord, his countenance had fully changed and he looked like he'd lost 10 years. So don't about Botox, just give your life to Jesus. You'll, you'll lose a decade. So <laughs> save the money. But he literally has just changed. And that's him on the end on the right. And I said to him, I said, Zach, what difference has Jesus made in your life? And he said, 180 degrees which is really 180 degrees means you're going one direction and then turned around. And he said, it's a total change. So, so good. Pray for Zach if you think of him and, uh, and pray for our services there. Got some great musicians getting, uh, coming into church as well. The classical pianist, which got me excited for the classical lovers. Really, you should like classical and R&B. That's how it is. But anyway, that's how, just, so, just saying. And, uh, and also another really creative young guy. Had some meetings there. That's great with our team. They're doing so good. Yeah, pray for our Melbourne team, but I'm very, very proud of them all at their tenacity and faithfulness in the midst of big challenges. And also to, uh, you know, the sickness deal over there has been quite challenging as well. So keep going, let's go through the photos. I've got to go really quick. Hello, then to Zambia. That's me with Justin, our first compassion child, who's now a pastor on our team, who's been leading the church for two years, now 27 years old, about to be 28 shortly. And that was, I was going to say Pastor Liam and Lisa, but that's fine. <laughs> that was Pastor Liam and Lisa with them, but that's fine. They're only the campus pastors. Anyway, <laughs> so here we are on the land that we just purchased as a church, everybody, which is a miracle in a fantastic suburb called Cabalonga. And we have a big block to put a great church on there and are very excited about God's provision. And I've got half of the house coming up because we're going to be sowing towards a church building now, keeping the vision moving along. And uh, Naveen and I both had tears when we came on the block because it's much better than we thought. And it's literally right in the middle of the area where the embassies are and uh, upper class, if you like, people. But then it's all the middle class that way. And then it's all the compounds that way, which is really a lower socioeconomic. But we're in the middle so everybody can come to church which I love that, in the middle so everybody can come. And then, then on our road, a kilometre and a half down the street is the United Nations, which I really do like that as well. So, and we've got a guy who works at the UN in our church and was around the table with me talking about continuing on our building 
So we had great meetings and uh, there's a whole bunch of people coming to different meetings with us. In church now in Lusaka, we've got some of the top lawyers, top economists. Uh, we've got several architects. At the end of the table there is Jeff in the blue shirt. Jeff uh, joined our church when we started and he's become one of uh, Lusaka's top architects in our worship team, in our church. And he just designed a building in Malawi uh, and that building's a 4,000 seat church. He's just sent off his design for one in South Africa for... 60,000 people for a huge church in South Africa. And so he sat there and said, Pastor Jared, I got this. Let's get this building. And all our team there have moved from the land. I wasn't talking about buildings yet, but they've just taken us all, took me and Naveen there. And he said to me, I can get a one and a half thousand seater on that block uh, pretty easily and we'll go from there. So so all these other people, lawyers, economists, everybody sat around and they're all helping us and already they've moved to us putting a building there. So folks, we're on a roll. And uh, it's awesome, we're on a roll. And uh, several people coming up to me in Zambia going, excuse me, Pastor, how did you get this block? And I said, you know, it's not what you know. It's who you know. And they're all shocked. So we're shocked too, because it's actually miraculous. So, so give God a big hand, amen. Give God a big hand. Okay. Any more photos? Keep going. What's next? Okay, church last Sunday, just joyous in our church in Zambia. Honestly, just joyous. The people are amazing. And just when the praise starts, and I had new moves happening that you've, you're not ready for in Perth. But anyway... But no, it's just so awesome to be praising God there. And our team, I love, the team is so good. Here's what I love about our team there, all, all the church, smart and heart. A lot of time you get smart people, but they're proud. And uh, our church there, full of smart people, highly educated, but they've got heart. Gee, it's a good combination. Smart and heart. And I keep saying to them, I love you guys. You're all smart, but you're humble. You're better have to suffered in life, everyone. I've discovered that. If you've suffered in life, you'll probably get to know God in a real way if you give God your suffering. But I watch how, you know, many of the people in Zambia, there's economic issues, no doubt about it, and some of their stories, but they've decided to go for God, humble themselves. And now um, Ishmael, who's our worship leader, he was flying out when I was flying out because he's going to speak on finance in three countries to governments. And when he started at church with us, he said, he was like, Pastor Jared, what will I do? I haven't got a job. I said, just trust God, mate. Serve the Lord. Build the kingdom. Be in your kingdom purpose in the worship team. Honour God and He'll make a way. And now he was saying goodbye to me because he was flying that way. I was flying that way. And he said to me, Pastor Jared, I can't believe what's happening. But I had that conversation with many people in Zambia because they're understanding. If you build God's house faithfully, and you focus on it and you give God His kingdom, honour and value, God will take care of your house. There we go. Okay, next photo. I've got to go quick. Next photo. Whoa. Hello, Pastor Liam and Lisa. Amazing with Naveen. And uh, that's a new place in Lusaka. And let's not even go there. It's unreal. Continue on. Continue on. That was our One Heart uh, Saturday. And uh, that's some of the team there who came to One Heart. So good. It is amazing and alive. And my gosh, how fun is our church in Lusaka. Keep going. Any more? Oh, I love this photo. This is such a special photo. This is Kunda. And I've got to not have tears because Kunda was a street boy. When we started church, he was living on the streets and he's got no parents 
and he's got some family in the rural area, but he's not connected to them. But literally, he uh, was on the streets. He was a real mess, came into church. And just to see him smile, how he's smiling there, I have hardly ever seen that in all the, you know, the years. But now he's done an apprenticeship, what we got through church for him. And uh, life is not perfect for him, but from where he was at, and to see him in his nice shirt at church, he was there waiting for me basically when I got in the door. And, uh, and we just had the biggest hug, you know, to see where he's come from. Everybody, this is what we're called to do as a church. We're called to reach the kundas. Those who... <laughs> to love them, to help them, give them not a hand out, a hand up. And through his training now, he's working uh, when he's up for it. Sometimes he's, he's not quite up for it, but he's working. And we've got people in community workers in our church now, I've joined the church, who, who ages ago I said, make sure you look after Kunda, and there really are. So, um, so and now we've got more, uh, basically some young people who've been on the street who are now in church on a journey and just miracle everybody. Yeah. Only the power of the church can do this. You know, it's only the power of the church can make him smile like that from where he's come from. Give the Lord a hand, Dave. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, hello. Let's tell you this story right now. This is Charity and Yumba, and they're a miracle story. Love this one. Charity got saved in our South Service. She was a Jehovah's Witness and then got born again in our South Service with, when Pastor Luke was leading it down there. And uh, they don't believe in healing. Anyway, so, but what happened was she couldn't get pregnant. They were not having getting pregnant. So Sue and I were in Zambia and we anointed uh, Charity and Yumba with oil. They'd been trying for four or five years and within six weeks, Charity was pregnant with their first child who's there, princess number one. And then when I went back, she said, we're trying and nothing's happening for a second baby. Geordie and I were together. We anointed her with oil. This is the trip after that. And, uh, and she was pregnant within four weeks. So now she's got two princesses. And she said to me, Pastor don't come near me with any oil or any prayers. <laughs> no prayers and no oil. And then her husband, Yumba, as she got distracted with the girls, leaned over and whispered in my ear, Pastor Jared, I want my son. <laughs> and I went, right, I'm out and now. I'm out. Husband and wife, you talk. She said, what did he say? I said, he wants his son. She was like, so I said, I'm out of this one. I, you know, so, so anyway, uh, so that's really fantastic to see, you know, God's healing miracle for them. Anybody else? What else we got there? Anything else? Oh, there's just... So for those who don't know, Justin's our compassion child, first compassion child of 1,261 children, minus Sue's first compassion son who we sponsored when he's six. He did the land deal. He's been pastoring the church for two years and he is an absolute godsend miracle. And, uh, and there he is. You know, we have our, our dog, it's called Paddy, our cavoodle. And I said, there's Justin with his African Paddy. There we go. Anyway, I told him not to do that, but they don't listen to you anymore, do they? <laughs> The old days they'd listen to you. So anyway, there you go. Just so you got a little view of uh, Africa. So give the Lord a hand for what's happening in Lusaka. And uh, it's miracle, miracle, miracle territory. And uh, you hear a bit more on Tuesday night about what's happening there. I'll fill you in a bit more. All right, we're going to the Word of God right now. Mark chapter 14. I haven't spoken on this passage for a long time, but I wanted to speak on it. And I believe that it's an anointed word for our church right now. I believe it's a prophetic word, firstly for you, but also for our church. So Mark 14, verse one to nine. And this message is entitled, Your Breakthrough is in Your Alabaster Bottle. 
Everybody online, your breakthrough is in your alabaster bottle. Let me read it. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill Him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. This could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticise her for for doing such a good thing to me. You'll always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. Jesus speaking of his physical presence. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Wow. Jesus is at uh, the home of Simon. He's had leprosy, been totally healed. And a woman comes in and basically brings this incredible, beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume. And the Scripture tells us there, and historians and Bible theologians bear witness that that perfume, which is actually from the Himalayas and is developed in North India, that perfume was one year's salary. So you think that perfume was the value of $60,000 basically at that time. And this woman comes in and such is her overwhelming love, her absolute uh, you know, wonder and awe and worship for Jesus that she pours the bottle over her head, over Jesus' head. And we, uh, we sang that song today, how, you know, uh, uh, over Jesus' feet, pouring the anointing. And I thought, there we go. She's pouring it out and, and she's anointing Jesus with this one year salary perfume. And everybody's in shock. Like, you know, that perfume, no one touches it. You don't go near it. You use a dab of it, you know, uh, every now and again. And she's pouring it on Jesus. Why? She's saying, I can't give you enough love. I can't give you enough worship but I can pour this out. You are worthy of this beyond anything else. And, uh, and she pours it out. And the, in the crowd, out of the, actually the disciples, um, you hear this voice, hang on a minute, what's going on? This should have been given to the poor. And historians tell us too that that voice was probably Judas who would betray Jesus, who already had his hand in the money purse. He was already pilfering the money purse as he travelled with Jesus. He had finance issues, but it sounds like he's saying, oh yes, this should be given to the poor as if he gives to the poor. Always watch out for the crowd, everybody. It's amazing because in reality, the Bible's teaching us they weren't giving to the poor and they didn't anyway. And so what was happening is Judas, who in particular, uh, historians say, was being convicted by what the woman did. It's amazing how you can be a Christian, have another Christian near you. They live a life of sacrifice and cost. And though it's honourable, it annoys the heck out of you. I discovered over years that if you're 
hospita- a hospitable person and you show hospitality to people who aren't hospitable, they will accuse you of not being hospitable. I've seen how if you serve people who would never serve people, they'll, call, they'll accuse you of not being a servant. It's very interesting. People deflect uh, what you brought up in them. You've convicted them as the disciples were convicted of this woman's generosity and love. It convicted them, but rather than them go, wow, we need to learn from her. They accused her of not giving it to the poor. Isn't that weird? What are we like? This is what humans is what we do. Be careful when people are accusing you of something. They may be actually, the very thing they're accusing of is the very thing that you are hospitable when they're saying you're not because you brought something up in their life like this woman brought up in the disciples' lives that they would never give a costly perfume like that. And they certainly weren't planning on giving it to the poor. It just made them sound look good. Meet people like that. Sometimes they're saying stuff and you're like, I don't know if this is quite the truth. And the disciples were sounding so holy and so righteous when in fact they didn't, wouldn't have given it in the first place. So this woman didn't even realise this was uh, just a couple of days before Jesus would be whipped, tortured and then crucified. And uh, Jesus says, she's anointed me for my burial. She doesn't even realise that. She's poured out a costly perfume and Jesus is saying, this is actually the anointing for my burial and, uh, and you have brought it to me. And He said, leave her alone. She's done a good thing. You know, this woman's got so much to teach us, everybody. And Jesus said she'd be spoken of in the future what she has done. And she would be remembered as a memorial throughout time. And, uh, and I love it because there's a great spiritual lesson coming straight from this scene that you can easily miss and think, oh, that was a nice thing to do and made him smell better. When actual fact, no, she's teaching us that costly surrender precedes your greatest breakthroughs. Take a note, everybody. You're going to get some stuff here that will help you in your life. Costly surrender precedes your greatest breakthroughs and costly surrender will precede, if you're a Christian, your next breakthrough. If you're not a Christian, you won't understand what I'm talking about. You won't get this. Uh, But just put it on the shelf and down the track, say, God, show me this and years to come, you'll get it. Young people, you and you Christians, you won't get all of this. But down the track, say the Lord, I'm putting it on the shelf and down the track, God will begin to speak to you and you'll begin to get understanding. But costly surrender precedes your greatest breakthroughs. Obedience to God and is an expression of our love for God. Obedience to God is one of our greatest expressions of our love for God. This woman was probably thinking to herself at the start, I don't want to give this perfume away. Then she's like, no, but nevertheless, I'm being prompted and I'm going to obey and give, give it to God because of His great love for me. And that was an expression of her love. You know, uh, in fact, Jesus, He gave the greatest costliest gift uh, when He died on the cross. That was so sacrificial. So He was giving the most sacrificial gift in all of history, uh, but it preceded the greatest breakthrough, hello, for all of humanity. Your breakthrough, the opportunity you have to be saved and know God is because Jesus decided to be in agreement with His Father. He said, let this cup pass if it can. The heavens were silent. And then He went ahead and allowed Himself to be basically ripped and torn apart by the Romans who were persecuting Him and then to suffer the cruelest death, hanging on a cross, suffering so much and then asphyxiating slowly until He died. And so, and what does Jesus say? He says, for the joy set before me. 
I endured the cross for the joy set before me. What, Jesus, what are you talking about? He says, for the joy set before me. What was the joy? He's suffering, he can't breathe, he's in agony, he's ripped, he's torn, he's shredded and he sees you. Jesus sees you. He sees you lost. He sees you don't understand Him. He sees you don't get eternity. He sees that you're full of, uh, you know, you got sin. He sees that you're broken. And Jesus says, for the joy of seeing you be given the opportunity to be saved and set free, I do this. So right there, everybody, the greatest gift to humanity, it was the salvation through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But it's come about through the costliest sacrifice. And that woman's perfume was also a signifier that it's with cost, hello, that the greatest things happen. And so for you and I as believers, if you're a believer, listen, do not get it wrong. You are in the faith of sacrifice. Come on, this faith is built on sacrifice. It's built on cost. I always find it odd when I get Christians and they're like, oh, this is a bit sacrificing. I might have to give up some something. I might have to pay a cost. I'm like, excuse me, did you, do you know what you joined? <laughs> do you know what your Saviour did? Did you know that He's the Son of God? Do you know that He did it for you? So this faith is built on cost and sacrifice. So I wanna say to you today, your next breakthrough and our breakthrough as a church is gonna come when we allow, hello, our alabaster bottle to be broken. And that alabaster bottle is different for every person. Every person here has alabaster bottle hidden within your heart that we can't see. We've all got compartments. Can I encourage you, don't live compartmentally in your life. Hello, this is me with Auntie Flo. This is me with Uncle Phil. This is me at work. This is me at church. No, no, no. Don't have compartments. Be the one person. You'll be healed. You'll come to peace. You'll come to wholeness. You know, be a Christian on Sunday and be one on Monday. <laughs> so, so what could your alabaster bottle look like that Jesus is saying He wants you to give to Him or break before Him. And really what God does is God says, give me that, surrender that to me so that you can break through into a new place, maybe into a, uh, the start of something supernatural as a Christian. You can go to church and be religious. I don't know why you do that. I'd be bored out of my brain. I would be bored out of my brain. Going to church, being religious, doing some church service, bored out of my brain. Get the real Christianity, which is supernatural. Everything that's happening right now in Zambia, white guy goes in with four people years ago, now got this church overflowing, incredible people, land. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Well, what have I had to do? 41 years as a Christian, I'm giving you wisdom from 41 years is I have had to, over the years, continually say, Lord, this is currently precious and I don't wanna give this. But nevertheless, help me God, I give it to you, whatever that is. So I'm gonna tell you some of the things that your alabaster bottle might be right now that God's saying to give to Him. Here we go. You ready for them? Better organisation of your time. Somebody's saying, Lord, I wanna be used by you. God, I wanna have a miracle life. And God says, right, better organisation of your time. I've right now got to get so organised more. What's important? What's valuable? What is God saying He wants me to do? Know what people want me to do? 
I've got to have my diary organised, got to plan ahead. I'm in Germany later in the year. I'm in Melbourne, I'm in Perth. This is my calling. Thank God we've got a great team of pastors here, great preachers. We are equipped to do this. We're called to do it. But I'm leading the charge and God's like, hey, give me that. Last night, I didn't sleep all night. Lied there. I had two nights around to bed when I flew in. Last night I was awake all night, lied there. Prayed in tongues, prayed. <laughs> Beat the pillow. Seven hundred times. Anyway, but listen, everybody, there's a cost. Rather than me going, oh, I can't believe I have to do this for church and for God and have to do this for, to have a church in Zambia. Look what I do. No, Jared, get real. There's a cost to this deal. You're gonna do anything that's gonna help anybody, there's a cost. You're gonna do anything that honours God, there's a cost. Why do you keep looking for costless living? Because if you keep looking for costless living, there is no power there. If you keep looking for no sacrifice, there is no power there. No power, no power. So I, I'm at 3 a.m. sucking it up. Lord, thank you for the honour of doing what you called me to do. And the fact that I can't sleep, whatever. <laughs> so everybody, better organisation of your time. By the way, if you're a person who never comes to church early or always late, there is no way you're gonna have the miraculous in your life. Bottom line, I'm here, spiritual dad of this house to tell you, you will not end up in destiny, impossible. If you can't work out that you need to go, if you can't get, I need to start with everybody else in unity, in God's house, honouring God, be there prepared because everybody else has been serving and prepping so I can get there and you can't get that still. You cannot get into a supernatural destiny. Enjoy a religious life. Welcome to church and I'm back. <laughs> I, can't, I can't lie to people. I can't say, oh, lovely, be late, do whatever. I would be lying to you and I will be accountable to God for that. So I have to say to you, I want you in destiny. God wants you in destiny. You need to pay attention to this. Um, let's keep moving. Why am I stopping there? Somebody needed that. Okay, allowing God to increase our capacity. Some of us think, here's our, don't be too loud, Isaac. I'm not, I'm not done yet. When I started out from a poor family, you know, my dad poor, small suburb, broken suburb, broken family, my thinking was here. Now I have to say, Lord, continue to increase my capacity now to now build a land in Africa, to, you know, sorry, build a church, do this in Germany. Lord, help me to do this and grow my capacity. Everybody, some of you, your alabaster boxes that you just need to say, Lord, increase my capacity. Now, if you're not well, and there's seasons where we're not well, we can't do things, listen, God gets that. You can still be ministering at home in those seasons. I've had time like that, I've been not well. But here's what I can do, I can pray. You can pray. You can't be active, you can pray. But you need to say, Lord, help to increase my capacity. Because some people don't have any capacity. Life has restricted them due to physical issues. Some of us, we don't have that, so we've got capacity. Lord, that's my alabaster box. Increase my capacity. Here's another one, giving God our offences. You cannot be a Christian moving in the miraculous and you're offended. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And I, you guys have heard me say that. God taught me years ago, Jared, if you're offended, it means you're controlling. Jared, when you're offended, you're controlling. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God was nailing me. Because what's happening is I'm offended when people don't do what I want, don't say what I want, don't behave how I want, don't respond to me how I want them to. And God says, that's just control. 
You need to let that go and release people and bless people in Jesus' Name. So, so if you're offended, give that away. Everybody, if you're a gossiper, drop the gossiping. Gossip, you know what gossip's about? Gossipers are self-rejectors. If you're a gossiper, you talk about other people, you talk about church people, you talk about church, you are a big self-sabotager and a self-rejector, full stop. Because what you do is you criticise yourself all the time, so you have no problem criticising us. And then many times you end up criticising also, which is so interesting, things that you would never carry or pay the responsibility for or do in any real way, the cost of that, but you talk about those who do. That's an alabaster box. God says, you need to give that and break that before me because that gossip is flowing from self-rejection, self-sabotage, not from a healthy life. Because if it was healthy, you'd be saying, how can I carry responsibility? How can I help? Rather than talk about you, if you're healthy, you'd say, how can I help you? Keeping silent when we want to be verbally destructive. Anybody ever want to be verbally destructive? Anybody ever be verbally destructive? That's an alabaster box. Lord, I give you this when I wanted to say this, but Lord, I give it to you. Um, <laughs> What else have we got here? Here's a few more. Do you need any more? Yeah, maybe maybe you're a Christian and uh, you know God's trying to flow through you, but you still are not tithing. Still not tithing. Yes, not tithing. Tithing, everybody, is the starting point of giving for believers. If you look in the book of Acts, it says they sold everything, gave everything, had it all in common, didn't even own anything anymore. So it's the starting point. It's an eternal principle from Genesis to Revelation. It's the starting point of giving. And what happens is God can't give anything to you, ministry, money, anything, because you've got a block on everything, a control on everything. So God's like, why would God try and, you know, like a drain pipe, why would God try and put money, people, connections down the drain pipe to you when you're like, no, no, no. And you're a Christian. So God goes, I'll leave you with it. And then you watch everybody else, or not everybody else, but a whole bunch of people in the miraculous walking in God's, walking in obedience to God and God saying, hey, I'm doing that miracle. I'm doing that miracle. I'm doing that miracle. <laughs> doing that miracle. I'm in Zambia losing my mind over the miracles. Why? Because I keep saying to God, okay, Lord, help me give you my tithe. Help me to give you the offering, Lord. Help me to give you that. Help me to give you that. Am I poor? No. And I told a funny story in the last service. I just found out how expensive the ski tickets are this year for my birthday this year, the big birthday. I'm going skiing with my brother in Sydney. We're having a break after, I haven't had a holiday with him for about 30 years. And I saw this lift tickets are like $600. Anyway, and I went, Lord, I need $600. Anyway, one of my relatives died who I haven't seen for 45 years and I got a check in the mail for $700. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> Auntie Helen, I love you. <laughs> like so, but some of you, that stuff doesn't happen because you're like, no, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in this. Oh, gee. Look, really, you're fearful and controlling. Read the Bible. It's let it go. Let it go. Let it go. The Lord says finances, give it to Him. But God can't get more to you if you're not doing the, giving your tithe. It's a, not going to happen. 
So what alabaster box do you need to break over Jesus? <laughs> when a business owner finally breaks and makes Jesus the CEO and has, and has accountability, the CEO is a Christian, has accountability with his church with, and with what God has put in their hand. Listen, there's a countenance change. There's a softness. There's a brokenness that comes to that business person. They're easy to be entreated. You can talk to them about anything. You can counsel them. They come for counsel. They come before they make big business decisions. You know that, oh, hello, the alabaster box is broken with this business person. And they move from being an independent owner, an independent business person who's trying to survive to an interdependent anointed steward who is in wise relationship with God's local house and God is now trusting them and He's now moving in their life at a new level. When a singer gives God their disappointment, their brokenness, unexpected pain, who's ever had unexpected pain? Oh my gosh, so many times. Unexpected loss, how many times? And who's ever been overlooked? It's funny when you think you deserve everybody to notice you because at that moment, God gets you overlooked. Do you wanna be noticed? <laughs> Don't try for it. Just honour the Lord because He'll let you be overlooked until you give Him your alabaster box. If you think you deserve, I deserve this, I deserve that, what's wrong with them? God says, I'll leave you until you give me that alabaster bottle of I deserve. When a singer allows their alabaster box to be broken, that singer becomes maybe for the first time and been in church for years, a worshipper or a worship leader. When a speaker allows their alabaster box, disappointment, whatever, being overlooked to be broken, that communicator may become for the first time a minister. Suddenly, somebody who can preach is actually ministering the anointing and the Word of God. A mother becomes a minister of God's generational plan of redemption for her family. When she says, Lord, right now I'm very challenged being a mother, I'd rather do something else, but I embrace the season that I have and I embrace motherhood and I embrace what the children you put in my hand and God says, wow, through that brokenness, I'm gonna anoint you to become a generational person of redemption for your family, potentially for generations. A father becomes a minister used by God for generational launching of ministries in his own house when he breaks and surrenders to God. By the way, teenagers and children and young adults, do not follow Christian parents who do not break to God. Love them, you know, respect them, do dinner, but don't copy unbroken Christian parents. You don't get this at every church, do you? No, 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 you don't copy that. I got family that are Christians, I'm not following all of them. Because not everybody wants to sacrifice and break their alabaster bottle. Our bottles are precious compartments hidden from view. Priorities that need to change that are hidden, hurts that are hidden, offences, disappointments, financial sacrifice that's meant to be had but hasn't yet been had. 
hidden away, yet all of it, if we will give it to God and pour it out on Him and say, Lord, I pour this out, will be the beginning of breakthroughs for all of us. Sacrifice is nothing other than the production of sacred things. When you sacrifice uh, to God, there are gonna be sacred things produced. And I like, um, I like what Amy Carmichael said. She said, when I consider the cross of Christ, how can anything that I do be called sacrifice? Everybody, God has got a great plan for your life. Don't miss it. You're getting older by the minute. We're all getting older. Did you notice? Do you see the video? Ministry has been difficult, right? <laughs> but you look and you go, time's going. Don't live your life and then one day wake up before the Lord and go, oh, oops. And also for yourself, listen, God's plan for your life is about fulfilment. 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 But as I finish, you've got to stay. Everybody running around churches, running around cities, running around everywhere. Listen, you have to stay and plant and walk with people. People who wander in and out of churches, wander in and out of people's lives. And by the way, if your, fa- if your mother or father left you, you heard me say this already, as I had such rejection with my parents, if your mother or father left you, that's in you to leave church at the most inappropriate moment. You need to surrender that to God. God doesn't say to me, Jared, do this, do this, do this. He says to me, Jared, give me this. But if your parents were disconnected, don't follow it. So Lord, they were disconnected Christians, help me to connect. And realise that most, when you've got people who disconnect from church, they're on the fringe, they leave churches. Listen, it is self-sabotage. It is self-rejection. Self-sabotage, self-rejection. And you can be a Christian for 30, 40 years and still are a huge self-sabotager. I could be absolutely so could Sue, but here's what we did. We said, Lord, (laughs) help us. We give you our self-sabotage. We give you our unstableness. We give you our parents leaving us. Help us not to leave you or the church where you planted us or the people we're walking with. Help us, Lord. At 40, 50, 60, which was coming down the pipe, help us to grow up and to be stable and not sabotage ourselves any longer. I've stopped doing it. And I wanna tell you now, life is getting even more fulfilling as I'm walking in God's purpose and plan. God's purpose for me is different to God's purpose for you. But together, gee, we can make a great pie that touches the whole world. Can somebody say, Amen. Come on, Amen. Who can say Amen? Stand up with me. Who can say Amen? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.